We're here today with David Mantica back in the shop. Hey, thanks, Sean. So, we are we are safe and healthy and distance and excited to have one of the top trainers, I think, uh, and he won't take credit for it in North America. And we're gonna and you're gonna we're gonna talk about. Well, let's get right to it. The future of work, 2021 and beyond. Let's there's talk a, about it, David. You would think that there's a lot to cover in that, and that there is, but you can really hone in on a few key elements that we can break down. And we have to break it down by first looking at technology and what technology is doing to work. Then from there, we want to look at, because of that, how is the human-to-human -human actions and activities being impacted because of that technology. So at the highest level, from a technology perspective, the biggest disruptor, disruptor is digital transformation. And underneath the digital transformation catch-all, you're going to have the cloud computing stuff that's going on. You're going to have the IoT stuff that's going on. You're going to have the agile, agile way of working, agile software development stuff that's going on. And you can even tie into that the DevOps stuff that's going on. And basically, the key element here is how do you get information that was tough to grab and store and actually grab and store it. And then two, what do you do with that? What do you do from a customer facing perspective with this great information you have to make the experience more relevant, more valuable? And how do you make more money with that? And then how do you get more productive with these new technologies? And here's the catch, John, as you start thinking about this, is that that word productivity is the word that impacts work. And the whole concept of technology driving new jobs is kind of on an interesting teeter right now because it's almost like technology is displacing jobs in sectors and not adding new jobs as fast. Or the new jobs that are being added are harder to do, less likely for a normal person to get. And that's why you see the figures of five to six million million jobs going unfulfilled out there in the marketplace. When there's when there's the six or seven percent unemployment, that's which we're, it. So, who are we talking to today? Who should listen to this podcast and pay attention? Could it be early career people? Is this executives? It goes across. Are these companies and HR and and C-suite? Who it, is this for? It goes across the board. So the first thing we got to talk to is people our age. So. John and I are in our 40s and 50s, potentially. I know I'm in my 50s, but <laughs> John might not want to admit what hey, age he's at because he's a healthy ex-military guy while I'm a pretty rotund um, roly-poly, so I don't mind admitting it. But the problem is for people in our generation, we're just still don't have the mindset of change. We, we thought that we would have a career and we'd have a career for life, just like our parents almost did. Um, we're not going to get that. And we are going to be forced, probably, John, you and I, if we stay in the workforce at least another 10 to 15 years, we'll probably have to change what we do and how we do it twice. Now, any new worker is going to figure and factor in that they're going to have to change what they do and how they do it six to eight times to make it through to retirement. Interestingly enough, uh, this morning conversation with, a, a, I would call, a young man, uh, 29 years old, said to me, well, I was never taught to look at 
mission first, then the job, you know, company best practices and what they do from a sustainability point of view. I was taught by my father to find a job, hold on to that job, fight like crazy to save, yeah, save, save. Absolutely. And if you lose that job, get another job with a big company. Like, I thought I was talking to a 50s, you know, someone in their 50s right there, because that's a little bit how we were all brought up. So the future of work can be tied back to VUCA. VUCA is going to make the future of work ambiguous. So VUCA is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And because the pace of change is so rapid, it will continue to accelerate, the fog of what it is you're going to be doing to make money is getting denser and denser. It used to be a fog that you can see through 15 or 20 years. Now it's a fog that you can only see through maybe five years. So that future of work is the fact that we really don't know. We know it's going to be impacted by technology, digital transformation, because everybody wants information in the cloud, easy to pull out, relevant. We know that productivity is going to increase because of that. So the jobs that are available are going to take somebody who knows a lot more than I ever needed to know in my career. So those are some of the scary things to realize. So one of the skills you have to be thinking about is how quickly can you unlearn and relearn? That's one. And then number two is how do you work to get things done? Not doing something. It's not about doing something anymore. It's about how do you work in groups and teams so that you drive getting things done. Can you give us a couple of real world examples of how this might look? Learning to unlearn is a really interesting one. I'll give you lots of different examples. For me as a 25 year veteran in training, B2B training, I recently have, to, have had to unlearn a number of experience-based mindsets around go to market, how things are delivered, how people buy things. So we bring this baggage. What's one or two things that you learned that, so, that was hard to learn, but you know it's the right new direction? You know, the first thing I'm having a tough time learning is this idea that I have to make people uncomfortable for them to get value. In training, it was all about the smile sheets, right? As long as oh. you're happy and, com and, and give me a five out of five or four out of five, the whole edutainment factor. Okay. The reality is, is that you only learn when you're pushed to your uncomfortable level. Mm. So I have to unlearn this mindset of making it accommodating and easy and start selling the fact that you're going to be uncomfortable. And I'm not used to that because as a marketer, my job is to make you feel as comfortable as possible to make it an easy sell. But the reality is to do my job effectively as a training organization, I'm going to have to start pushing people to that level of uncomfortableness. And I remember a guy, a gentleman by the name of Bob Galen talking to me about this in 2006 and seven. I thought he was crazy. I get you, Bob. I hear you, but <laughs> my business is to make people happy. It's not. And that's an unlearned, it's 25 years of experience just having. So business to be worked though that way. It did. But today, with maybe as many, is too, it much just too much change, you too much got, options. Yeah, it's almost like you have to teach people how to be uncomfortable on a consistent basis so they're always learning. I'm not just learning at a certain point in time, okay. I'm learning all the time. So, this idea of unlearning is critically important. That, that, that element, this idea of getting things done through people has a lot to do with, um, we did a virtual, a virtual learning transformation at SoftEd just recently. Okay. And as a business leader, I was used to just driving through and making it happen myself. But I had to do this as part of an international team. And I realized that even though I had this experience, I did it many times before, 
The only way this project was going to be successful is if I influenced and supported and threw my ideas out there and then morphed, unlearned some of my virtual skills to what they were ultimately going to make it. So it you had hard. to suppress. Yes. Because you're, I know you. Go, go, you're go, used go, to go. taking over, driving that. If it's not working, you're going to take it on. Yeah. And, and you can, can master it because you've done a thousand trainings. And I've done it. I've done virtual training things 2001, but I couldn't do that to be successful. If you want it done right, you do it. Not anymore. Because it would have fell apart. But that's an unlearn. You had, I had to, to unlearn do. that, and I had to learn how it wasn't about how I knew how to do something. It was about working through the team to make that entire team successful. So you got underlying influencing skills, underlying emotional intelligence skills. So as we started talking about this, and we really think about it, the first thing on the future of work is this ability to learn to unlearn. Okay. The second thing about the future of work is the fact that you really, truly have to know how to work through people and with people to get things done. Now, what's the base of all that? The future of work means that those professional skills which we kind of poo-pooed for years. Like I used to joke and say I couldn't sell a professional skills class if I put free beer in the classroom. You should rethink that. It, they, it, <laughs> the mindset has to I, change I because the foundation of unlearning and the foundation of getting things done through other people is understanding the human work machine, how to influence people. How to deal with emotional intelligence, your own cognitive distortions, your own emotional distortions. And this future of work is hard because it's nebulous. Again, I go back to this whole gray, gray, gray. Everything is gray. I, just a quick infomercial for people that don't carry hard skill, hard tech degrees. Those that emotional intelligence that we've, as you say, poo-pooed, and, and a lot of people say, you know, that's not important. My last certification, this technical skill, this oh. software skill, you're saying those skills are extremely important. More important than the hard technical skills these days, because what happens is the hard technical skills erode through disruption. It's like, build, so it used to be build your house on the foundation of the technical skills. Right now, I would never build my foundation on hard technical skills. I would have them but I'd be more able to learn and work with people who have those skills and build the skills necessary to team, to build the skills necessary to solve system problems, adaptive problems, understanding business value. Those things are the ones that are going to drive your success more than, oh, I know how to configure this router. And we know that you can get better in those things where you sometimes you're intellect on pure technical skills or software engineering or things are limited. The people with the higher IQ in those areas do learn quicker. You might not be able to do that, but don't underestimate the other skills that are coming along with this new world of work. Oh, absolutely. And the thing about it you want to think through is the fact that you want to be able to work with others. That's really it. And that's the future work. Whereas before, you could have a skill, be very successful, and work pretty myopically, and build your pyramid of skills till you became certified on the on the gnat on the rhino's butt, as I always say. <laughs> and that's where you got all your highest level certification, your highest level knowledge. That is becoming less and less valuable because that gnat goes away; it gets disrupted. So people who can naturally be more likable who can pivot, 
who can throw away old mindsets and grab new mindsets and who can influence others to be successful. Now, I'm not saying that those technical skills aren't important. No. I'm saying they, they don't, they're not as important as the other stuff. It's like if it's 100%, I need 40% um, technical skills, I need 60% professional skills. Those before would have been 80% professional skills, 20%. I mean, 80% tech skills, 20% professional skills. Good. I hope people hear that, not just the leaders who I think, if they're listening, know that, but people at all levels, because you tend to dis, just, we, we all tend to say our strengths, which may be in those areas, uh, you know, we tend to diminish those because the world values the degree, the certification, and it's, the, the piece, yeah, and it's the tech with... skill, and 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 but you're supposed to get. It's hard to get better at those. Really hard if you don't have the core line intellect. But we can get better at these emotional intelligence and some of these things you're talking about. That's why I'm so hopeful, and this has kind of got me excited. This talk. I mean, my concern is that really? you do have to know some things. That's why some of these sure. jobs go left unopened. So my major anthropological or sociological concern is do we have enough people with enough of an IQ to do the jobs that are currently open? Mm -hmm. That scares me because the technical jobs that are open that will last five to eight years are jobs that are getting more and more difficult to do based on the concept that you, you talked about. But there's still opportunities as we're talking through for folks who don't have that level of tech, technical acumen to still provide value, but they have to understand. They're going to have to fight to get into those roles. And they have so to they understand value. Those. And they okay. also have to understand the basic language of technology in business right now, which is software development. Okay. If there's anything that somebody has to understand, they have to know what programming is, what's it, what does it do, how does it function? You don't have to code. You don't have to understand architectures and compilers, but you have to understand the basics of software. If you don't, it's going to be very hard for you to work in a, di a fully digitally transformed organization. And it's going to be hard for you to provide value. It's almost like the democratization of software development skills, where you, at some point, it's like learning another language. It's like we're almost going to be forced to know two languages, English and programming. <laughs> That's where I think it's really going. It's not English and Spanish or English and French. I know English and I know the language of programming, or at least I understand the business of programming. And I, that, if I had to tell anybody under the age of 30 right now, go back and get a coding certificate. My, my brother, Just a my, baseline, my, my, my nephew, two of my nephews did it. My Just one, a baseline, maybe. Baseline knowledge. They don't have to be a hard code coder unless they want to go in that direction. Because why is that? That's the language of what? It's the language of how work gets done today. Okay. Every system, everything you connect to, the cloud environments you connect into, the hub spots you connect into as marketing and salespeople, the Netflix you connect to for entertainment, um, Amazon.prime that you use, that's all built on code got it programming languages system setup architectures deep and rich now all the plumbing has been george jetsonized that's why it's harder and harder to get like you know to really get into hardcore it because it's either outsourced or it's been put into software and george just presses the button but the other software that empowers the things we touch and do Man, that's what killed the whole outsourcing thing. The outsourcing thing was hot in the mid-2000s. It reversed because software became so critical. 
before our very eyes. It was crazy how fast the outsourcing trend for IT reversed, especially in software. Still there in other things, but it's interesting. What, what will our brains do when we have that core line understanding of probably Agile or the, the programming Programming mindset. language will be what, able to start... What's something that changes in our brain we'll start to make us better? See, we'll start being able to see how we can provide need to people. Okay. So what we really want in business is to service either internal customers or external customers. We want to provide services so that a customer service representative can see information in their database better. We want to provide services so a salesperson could pull up their CRM and have it inter interconnected with external LinkedIn pages and internal database purchasing, all that great stuff. So you'll be able to see and understand how that could possibly happen. The systems that do it, the interconnections that do mm -hmm. it. So you can help guide and drive that to create value. But the problem is, is we, none of us really truly understand this concept of value. And okay. that's a... Let's get back to that. That's, that's, that's really a big important. one. That's a big one. And, you know, you got to take a step back and you got to realize that in business, you have to look at value purely from an economic standpoint. Because mm -hmm. value has psychological elements to it, has sociological elements to it, it has moral issues associated with it, morals and ethics, it has economic issues associated with it. And what happens is we have needs and we have wants, but you have to make decisions based on value. What you want right now, John, might not be valuable. Good point. What you need right now might not be valuable. And sometimes we screw that up and we go after these needs and we realize that's not really, I gotta rechange my whole mindset or what I'm doing because that's, even that need isn't valuable. What Got is it. the value? What are people willing to exchange time or money for? And that's a tough one. That's, the, that's a skill set you have to learn, understand, and practice. Got it. Even what, in your own life. What's next? What, what else do we need to know about so, the future of work? So if you kind of want to summarize and kind of wrap this yeah. up into a nice little package, I think the first thing is, is we have to understand that our mindsets drive so much of our behaviors and actions. And in order to work in a fog of rapid change, we have to focus on a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. So the future of work, for those that can drive a growth mindset, can be very bright. For those that are in a fixed mindset, they're going to have difficulty doing the transformations on a continuous basis that are going to be needed. So that's one. I think number two is the value of technical skills is still there, but realize that's going to have to update and change constantly. You're an email marketer that's going to have to move to a marketing automation person that's going to have to move to what? You're going to have to be ready to move to that what? Is it account-based marketing? Is it going to be sales integrated marketing with regard to Slack and Salesforce now that they've been purchased God knows what? So you have to know that you can't just sit on that technical skills, but even if you have those technical skills, the third thing is you have to understand that it's getting things done through others. And if you don't have the professional skills to work in complicated and complex teams, you will have no real value. Other than our course and our workshops that we're doing for companies, which we could talk about, but we're not gonna over-promote that here, which is a <laughs> part of this message, what are some of the primers, some of the books, some of the publications? What do, we, what do people, as we close this out, possibly need to read to get themselves I think the number one thing mindset. that someone should read is get into adaptive leadership. So 
Um, Ronald Heifetz and Martin Lipsky, Kennedy School of Business professors, about 30, 20, 30 years ago, came out with adaptive leadership. It's really showing its face as the skill set necessary to cross the chasm of VUCA. And it's kind of the underlying skills tied to behavioral economics, behavioral psychology, and evolutionary biology, which can really help someone grasp, you know, the fundamental element of dealing with the fog of the uncertain. There's two things going on, the unknown, unknown, and being uncomfortable. We have to realize that not everything's going to be known as we attack, and we have to learn as we're attacking, and we have to realize we have to become uncomfortable all the time and get used to it. <laughs> well, you've made me perfectly uncomfortable enough <laughs> to go away <laughs> to know I got to make some changes and we all do uh, but this isn't this is encouraging because I think you've given us a real insight into how work will be done needs to be performed how companies and organizations need to be prepared thanks for your insight we're going to talk again very soon David Manica thank you John 